Hey guys, it is Allison Creamer, and of course I am out here at the Daily Grind in Town Center in Virginia Beach. Uh, we try to schedule our podcast on Thursday, so if you ever want to come and listen or participate, I welcome that. But today our podcast is with an appraisal company. Um, over the past 14 years, I have seen all kinds of things happen with appraisals, so it's always good to know what the trends are. I'm here with BK Appraisal Services and uh, with Betsy Hughes. So Betsy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, talk about a little bit about your company, how long you've been in business, um, and then we've got a few questions, and we actually took some Facebook questions this time, so we've got a great format. So go ahead. Okay, great. Um, yeah, like Allison said, my name is Betsy Hughes. Um, I've been the owner of BK Appraisal Services for um, just over 10 years. I started the business myself and have been the sole appraiser um, in the business. Uh, when the market was high, I did have about three appraisers working for me, and then HVCC came along and everything changed, and so we went back down to just me as the appraiser. Ooh, give um, me that analogy. What What is that anagram? Tell us what that means. The Home Value Code of Conduct, which has now been replaced by Frank Dodd. Um, so, yeah, the, the business completely changed in 2008. Um, the lenders could no longer order appraisals directly from us. Um, they had to either create an in-house system of where the loan officer and the appraiser could no longer communicate, uh, it had to go through um, uh, an unbiased individual, and then um, some lenders chose to use appraisal management companies. So they got rid of the good old boy network, or what yes. perceived. Exactly. Because I do believe that there were a lot of really honest, up-and-up lenders and appraisers. Yes. But obviously, they had to make sure. Right, okay. right. They were, they were concerned that when the market crashed, that it had to do with... Um, Inappropriate appraisals and values, Favors. and yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Trying to hit that number. So, in for our for our side, it was actually it was better where we weren't pressured into um, coming up with a value where we could actually do our jobs and do our jobs correctly. So, so it actually was a good thing for your industry, and in, in in a roundabout way that you now didn't have the pressure of breaking ties exactly. or you know, losing that revenue stream because you were afraid, like, oh, this is going to come in low, it's going right. to mess up the deal. So, right. Which is very true. Um, but what it forced us um, as owners to do is restructure our business. Um, since we had built all those relationships with loan officers, uh, we really had to restructure on how were we going to build our businesses going forward because we couldn't have that contact anymore. Now we all um, have to be on an approved appraisal list. So it's pretty much like applying to a lender if you want to work with them or an appraisal management company. That's good to know. It's it's interesting to hear your side of it because we only see one side exactly. as real estate. And then lenders, of course, they have their perception. Right. So it's really good to hear your side of it. So before we met, I came up with a couple questions that I think, uh, you know, being in the business, I've, I've had these myself. Some of them I think I know the answers to. And then I'm sure you're going to surprise me with a few of the answers. But... For our area, um, of course, this podcast can be heard by anybody all over the country, all over the globe, actually, but we're focusing on Hampton Roads, mm -hmm. um, specifically what I think they call it like the seven major cities. Yes, yeah. um, so what are the top kinds of appraisals for our areas? What do you tend to see more buyers using and that you're being called to do for that appraisal? Um, it's... It's really a combination of, you know, when you come to the lender side, it's a combination of your FHA, your conventional, and your VA. Um, VA, obviously, since this is a military area, VA is very large in the area. 
I am not on the VA list. It's extremely hard to get on that list. We we say pretty much someone has to die in order to get onto it. So <laughs> wait, there's a Middle Boy Network. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Um, but you know, yes, I do know a lot of um, appraisers who do VA, and they are extremely busy. However, I'm very busy with doing conventional and FHA. Um, FHA it fluctuates depending on um, what the government is putting into play because FHA um, will. Uh, adjust their loan to values and adjust their um, insurance requirements. So that will um, depend on if a borrower can use them or not. And so, so FHA for people who don't know, maybe we have some people that aren't in in our industry. What does FHA stand for? It's the Federal Homeowners Association. Our Federal Housing Authority. Housing Authority. There you go. There you go. <laughs> We're so used to these. Just, I'm sorry. I put no, you on the spot. Where I've, and you know what? I'm not a lender either, so maybe I just messed that one up. Well, FHA is backed by it, HUD. There so you it's go. the government-funded the program. The government-funded program, which is what I was getting at, which is where a lot of people fall in line. If they're not military, they're most likely going to be looking at FHA. Right. FHA, it used to be where that was usually your first-time homebuyers um, using that program. Um, just because of uh, what it allowed them to do. Um, but with some of the changes lately, they really conventional has been one of the best ways to go. So, so FHA will play with their regulations, and then if they see that their loans are down, then they'll change something to, to make buyers. To open up the field exactly. a little. So this is a big one, and whether you're a real estate agent, whether you're trying to refinance your property, or whether you're a for sale by owner and you're getting your house ready, um, so there are certain things that may come up more often on appraisal issues. Do you have any insight on maybe something that most people go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that could be a problem uh, when it comes to getting, we're going to focus on FHA or conventional appraisals. We're going to put, uh, we'll put VA off to the side for now. But if somebody's working for an FHA or a, or a conventional appraisal, what are the top common appraisal issues that come up that you might run into? Usually it's condition of the property. Um, so if, if it's an older property, uh, has peeling paint, they haven't maintained the exterior, um, you see structural issues, say cracks in your foundation or cracks in the walls, um, those, are, those are really the issues because we're, we're always looking at the structure. And um, the peeling paint is one of the bigger issues that we'll see, or rotting wood, if you have wood trim on your home or wood siding. Uh, if you have rotting wood, the lenders do not, any of the lenders do not want to see that. Um, that usually typically need, will need to be repaired uh, before the loan can be processed. So a good tip, if you are a real estate agent and you're getting ready to list a house or you're for sale by owner and you're trying to market yourself, um, one of the things I do when I take a listing is I walk the exterior of the house and I'm looking yes. at it from top to bottom. I'm yep. looking at door jams. I'm looking at window trims, looking at eaves and soffits. I'm looking at around the garage door where the yes. water splashes up. Yes. Those tend to be the areas that will get hit with a, an appraisal condition. That's very true. And and if the house doesn't have gutters on it, which a lot of the homes around here don't have gutters, they we have don't. the overhangs, <laughs> um, that, that is going to deteriorate any wood that you have on the exterior um, sooner than it would if you didn't have gutters. We call that deferred maintenance. <laughs> exactly. A lot of times. I do too in yes, my reports. deferred maintenance. So, and then the heating systems are always the big things too. Um, it, it needs to be properly heated, heated at least. Um, cooling is not a major factor, although it would be con, you know, very comfortable in, in our yeah. climate to have it. But A buyer may not want a house that doesn't have AC, right. but the, the appraiser doesn't yes. necessarily focus on that. It just has Correct. to have a proper heating system. Yes. Now, would a, a wood stove... You know, I, I actually have had somebody say that the wood stove was a heater. 
Yes. And I guess maybe many, many moons ago, many <laughs> years ago, that might have been a factor, but not so much today. Well, and, and lenders will not allow just a wood stove to be a heat source. It needs to have another conventional type of heat source, whether a heat pump or oil furnace or, or anything Even like electric that. Uh, yeah, electric baseboard. Yeah, electric baseboard. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, what well, we kind of glazed over uh, the most overlooked negative issues on an appraisal. Um, and I think my question, I probably could have posed it a little bit better. I had uh, an appraisal where the main, it was right on a main road. Mm -hmm. So it was, house was great. We looked at comparables, all of that. But we got hit for uh, a, a negative adverse defect mm -hmm. on the property. For the so, busy street. For the busy street. So we've had sellers who have beautiful homes and while I try to help them understand the functionality of where this property is could be a detriment, right. meaning a buyer's choice, but there's really a clear indication for appraisers, is there? Well, location, as we know, location is always key in real estate. And so, you know, if, if a home is on a busy street, say it's a you know, four-lane divided street that has a lot of traffic, we really need to look at the market to determine if that is a factor or not. So as, you know, I'm sure you hear us say, you know, paired sales and, and, you know, all that trying to come up with our adjustments, which in reality is extremely tough to find a paired sale of a already established home. Um, but you need to, as an appraiser, we need to actually look around the area on a home that has sold, whether it's in the past year or past five years, we need to see where that whole sale, that house sold compared to other homes that are not on that busy street. And then that's where that adjustment should come from. Yeah, I, I know for me, I just go ahead and get my sellers, <laughs> I start preparing them just in case, uh, because I think sometimes it's, all of this is expectation. Right, And it's true. how did the, how did their advocate or that their guide prep them for when this appraisal comes in. That's true. So it, it makes a big difference. So now this is a big one, um, because as real estate agents try to do a basic comparison analysis for their mm -hmm. clients. I've always been taught if there's enough sales in the neighborhood of like kind, age of built, even ranch to ranch, that's where the dominant focus is going to be. But I do have a lot of agents where I've tried to purchase their homes and I can see that they've gone way out of right. the community. To try to hit a number. To try to <laughs> hit a number. So now we're not going to ask you to get deep on this, right. but in general, what would you, what kind of reply would you have for that scenario? Well, you'd always want to start within the neighborhood um, because that, that, again, it's location. So um, if you can find a similar size, age, you know, amenity homes and condition, then that's what you want to stay with. Um, there's really no reason to go outside of the neighborhood, but, but you know, there are many times where you do have to go outside the neighborhood because there just aren't enough sales or, or good sales to use. So then you want to you wanna use um, neighborhoods that are same, you know, very similar in composition as to the one that you're pulling from. So say if you're in a, in a neighborhood that has older brick ranches, you don't want to go to a neighborhood that might be right next door, but it's a brand new community. Right. Because obviously they're not comparable. So if you do choose to use a neighborhood that, you know, maybe, you know, half a mile down the street, make sure it's the same, you know, demographics yeah. and, and all that as the one that you're using. Good tips. Think, think of your buyer. Always think of your buyer because that, that's really how we define market value is, is what would a buyer be looking at for a substitute property. So, Very, very good tips because I know some agents really... <laughs> they push that. They push it, but again, 
I've been in that position where mm-hmm. I am trying to push, but I discuss that with my sellers. Right. I get them to understand where I'm coming from and what's the chance of the appraiser seeing my right. point of view. And that's and again, always gauging key. expectation. Yeah. The key, the communication is always the key with, with your buyer, with your seller, depending on who you're representing. And then also with the appraiser, if you are able to have that conversation with the appraiser. Now, do you find a value if the agent gives you the, the list of all the amenities, upgrade, anything that they can help with, and then where they got their comparables? Do you find that to be valuable? I personally find it to be valuable because that way I know where, well, definitely the list of upgrades on that helps us explain a value. Um, but when I get the the list of comps that they use to price the property, that definitely helps because that way I know. <laughs> Don't you love live recording? <laughs> there goes a Cisco truck. <laughs> I, I love I like to know where they're coming from and how they price the house because if I'm not coming up in the same area as they are, then we can have that conversation as to you know why I feel you know you should maybe you shouldn't have used those or maybe they were good ones and I can refocus what I'm looking at. I was always taught by my mentor um, to show up with comparables, to be helpful, um, and then it helps the appraiser know that I did at least preliminary do my job, that I I am trying to be an advocate and I'm trying to help my seller rather than just a number that's pie in the sky. Yeah, and that's always key. And it's funny because you'll, you'll get a different response from pretty much any appraiser you talk to. Some appraisers love to just go to the home, don't want to meet anybody, don't want to talk to anybody, just want to do their job and get done. Um, I love it. I truthfully, I would not, I don't really like to go to a home by myself, especially if it's occupied. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'd rather have the agent meet me there. In fact, it took me the longest time for me to get a rain key just because I wanted the agent to meet me at the property. Cause I want to know, tell me about the property. I may not always see what was going on when I'm just doing my inspection. So I think I, I personally think it's a good idea. Even if, if you send your comparables ahead of time right. via email, something. Right. Because we're in it together in True. some ways. You're there to protect the, the lender, and mm-hmm. we're there to help that seller get what they need to make this deal work. So. That's true. I've always said that we're, we are a team. Real estate agents and appraisers are all a team. We're working together for a common good. <laughs> I'd rather know if it's going to go south <laughs> before that appraisal is submitted. Right. Very true. <laughs> than waiting till uh-oh, right. you know, we had no idea. Right. So. Well, we're going to take three Facebook questions. Uh, one came from Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn had asked about the value of acreages of lot sizes um, as compared to maybe waterfront views, uh, waterfront, water views, values of in-ground pools, just in general, if you can speak of those topics. Sure. I always say a pool, that's a 50-50 chance. <laughs> you either love it or you hate it, and you're not going to get a ton of value for it. Yeah. But Well... Let's start with, with a site size. Um, so if you're in an established neighborhood, ideally you'd like to get that adjustment from the market for land sales. But if you're in an established neighborhood, you're not going to have vacant land sales to determine, you know, what is that property worth? So, um, and this is just a guideline and some people may not agree with me on it, but again, we have to use the sources that we have. So um, if you're in an established neighborhood, I tend to look at assessed land values because the assessors came up with that value from the market. So um, I don't necessarily use dollar for dollar for my adjustment, but I will look and see, okay, does this one property that may be backing to, maybe on a larger lot backing to some woods, is that assessed at the same land value as um, one that's maybe a corner lot, maybe smaller um, size and has neighborhood view? 
So if they're the same, if the city's considering them to be the same value, then I might not hard give for an you adjustment. to put a whole lot of value on it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's a good tip. That's a, a a good way for an agent to go and look at structure and land value right. when they're trying to compare to either add value or take away value because at least then you have a you have a foundation right. to start with. Right. And and again, as an appraiser, we we have to have support for our um, adjustments or our reasoning for not doing adjustments. And so um, as, if we can use as many sources as possible, then that's just going to you know, make help us make a better decision. Good point. So, um, and the same comes with waterfront and water views. Um, it's pretty much the same process. Uh, again, if you can't find land sales to determine a difference, um, then again, I will look at you know, the assessments and see, you know, is there a difference here? Um, if you can find paired sales or similar sales, then again, try to use those. But again, they're hard to find. Yeah. So we have so many. Got to uh, do a little more reasons. digging, a exactly. little more homework. Exactly. And that's honestly where experience, you You're know, right. You're it, right. it's just, it's the experience of going through this process on a regular basis and understanding, you know, a buyer's desire for water view. True can sometimes bring a slightly higher amount, but it, it may not necessarily be valued in actual dollars. That's true. That's true. And if you think of oceanfront, um, you you would think that maybe the, the oceanfront property is the most desirable versus maybe semi-oceanfront. But if you talk to a lot of you know homeowners, they don't want to be, they're still close enough to the beach where they can walk to it, but they don't want all that you know, ocean spray and, and all the, you know, they direct They pay wind. more because they don't have to pay the uh, flood insurance. That's true. It could That's be a valuation over that, That's very too. true. So, I mean, it's, you know, you really got to look at the situation. Um, and then for pools, it all depends on the neighborhood. Again, location. Um, so, you know, if you're in a neighborhood that is, you know, the majority of the properties have pools, then there's going to be value there. Yeah. Um, but if you go to a neighborhood that, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of pools, then it might not be, it might be some value, but maybe not as much as you would give in a, in a neighborhood that you would expect a pool to be in. Like um, some people think, oh, I put $35,000 into my backyard. Right. You're not going to get $35,000 back. True. I Very typically true. tell them they might get five to 7,000 right. in basic value if the buyer finds that value. That's true. That's yeah. true. And, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of buyers who don't want a pool because they have small children and they right. don't want the risk. So, but I mean, pools, if I were to put a dollar amount on it, it depends on the neighborhood. But it may... And the quality of the backyard exactly. and the improvements, which exactly. kind of leads us into another question. Sure. Um, Terry had a question in reference to the outdoor, the emerging outdoor living mm -hmm. spaces. We are seeing more and more people literally put kitchens yes. in their backyards yes. and refrigerators and you know, sound systems. So are you finding that there is an emerging t trend or evaluation or would that be kind of like a pool? Um, it would be similar to a pool. Uh, you do see a lot of these outdoor living spaces in a lot of the high-end communities um, or even like your, your waterfront areas because they obviously they want to spend more time outside because that's the most desirable area. You have all that water to look at. Uh, so outdoor living spaces can add value. It may not be direct value. Um, it may help explain why I'm maybe pricing this home at the higher end of the market versus the lower end of the market because of all these extra amenities that they do have. So um, it just kind of helps you, like you said, if you have a grade of you know 100 to 150 thousand, you may be able to justify the 150 right. because it does have. But you're not going to go to 200, right? Because it has an outdoor living right. space. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Good point. Okay, so our last question is a little bit of a long one. We're going to condense it down. This came from Patty. 
who obviously says you are amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Patty. I'm sure Thank Betsy you, would love that. Um, so all things considered, you have two similar houses in the neighborhood that are the same age and size. One has four bedrooms and one has three bedrooms. Is there a valuation or a market change for that condition? Right. In that case, just off the top of my head, I would typically say we would not make an adjustment because we don't adjust off of bedrooms, we adjust off of square footage. So, but when I run into those situations, especially in con condos are always the easier one to look at because condos really rely on bedrooms because usually of the size of them. So in that, in Patty's example, I would want to look at the market and try to find, again, similar size homes and see if the market's willing to pay more for a four bedroom versus a three bedroom. Because if, if it's the same size home and there's one more bedroom, then that means that there's less living space. So it's all going to be, you know, what are the buyers preferring within that neighborhood? You know, I still say it goes back to you, you, have, a, you have a chart most likely or a, or a structure that you have to stay within. But it still goes back to what is the buyer willing to pay? It's true. And then does that fit into your chart of accounts or, yeah. you know, your structure? Right. And, and well, again, market value is defined by what is a, a, a willing buyer, you know, willing to pay. So it all has to come back to the market. So we, we really, as appraisers, we need to be able to pull our adjustments from the market. So Patty had a second part to this question. Boy, she, she thinks a little <laughs> deeper than I do. I'm Patty kind of, deals with a lot of yes, properties. Patty does. So the second part to this question, all things considered equal, just like the above question, except one house is significantly bigger than the other. Why is there an inverse relationship between value and square footage? I don't even know what that question means, <laughs> Patty. Well, what, she, what she's saying is that Typically, what happens is as you add more square footage, your dollar per square foot decreases. It's the same as with land. As you add more acreage to a site, your dollar per acre is going to decrease than if you know if you're on a smaller site. So it, it's, I. It's just the way they wrote it, the book, <laughs> Patty. Well, we can't just, help you on that one. It's just the way it happens to work because they. Say for a house, if you have um, a 1,200 square foot house and it's um, $80 a square foot, if you were to carry that um, up to say a 2,000 square foot house, it would probably be priced outside of what the market would be willing to pay. Oh, it just clicked. <laughs> I get what you're saying. So when you're using just dollar per square foot and you're using the ratios uh, of the you know X dollars per square foot, I get it. Right. Uh, yeah. It it's, just it's, clicked. It's easier to look at with land than it is with, with a house because, so land, say you're, say in, you know, Virginia Beach, Southern Virginia Beach is $30,000 an acre. But when you get up to 100 acres, it's not going to be $30,000 right. an acre. That'd be a $3 million piece of property. Which nobody would ever spend exactly Because it's not worth it. Right. Good comment. Understood. Don't you love the outside? <laughs> we just had somebody come by. But anyway, well, we are getting a little bit long on this podcast, so I want to give you an opportunity to tell people what are your services. One, we understand the real estate side. The lenders will, um, you know, contact you or through that lottery system. Correct. But, you know, we do have people that are doing refinances. Mm -hmm. We also have for sale by owners, and, mm -hmm. I, and I respect that, you know, sometimes they're looking at that too. So what? how can people reach you, and what are the services that you provide 
Okay, once again, my company is BK Appraisal Services. My website is BK, B as in boy, K as in kite, appraisal.net. Um, my email is Betsy, B-E-T-S-Y, at bkappraisal.net. Um, my phone number is 757-219-2838. And um, I can be reached via you know, email, phone call, text, um, any of that. And uh, I, do, I actually do a lot of private appraisals. Um, I've built my business in that, in that direction just because, um, as, and I'm very choosy with the lenders I work with, just because um, some of the processes have gotten extreme. And so I try to work only with local lenders. But my private business is mostly real estate agents who are looking for a pre, pre-listing um, price value or, or the homeowner directly, whether it's through a divorce or an estate issue, um, or they're not quite sure what they want to do. Do they want to refinance and, or sell? Or, um, you know, just hold on to the property. So a lot of homeowners will call me to do an appraisal for them directly. See, I love that. I'm, I'm actually starting because I think our, our market is starting to shift away from the distressed as much. Yes, so it is. we are st- starting to do more pre, pre-listing appraisals, yes, um, yep. especially if the money is tight. And yes. we know, and, it, and we also know, though, um, just as a caveat for that, your appraiser appraisal is a foundation, but the buyer is still going to have to have theirs ordered. Exactly. Um, but it gives us wiggle room. It gives us a, an ability to dispute or fight or say, wait a minute, right. we've had it measured, we've had it looked at, and yeah. kind of helps with, well, we don't like to talk about disputing <laughs> appraisals, but well, it sometimes, can sometimes help. You have to. But it also helps that second appraiser come in and That's really true. shoot for the number because they can look back and see, okay, wait a minute, this came from Betsy. Yep. She knows what she's doing. She's been in the business long enough, yeah. so sometimes it does help. It's true. So. And I also do measurement services as well. So if you go into a property and you don't think that the tax records are right and there's no old appraisal, then I can also come and measure the house for you and just give you that sketch too. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, that, yeah. that that could be extremely helpful. It can be, especially when you have like a house that's been added on and the city hasn't necessarily kept up. Or they've up. been there forever. Correct. You yeah. know, an original owner and things like that. That's true. So, so. Well, all your contact information, your websites, mm-hmm. everything is going to be actually in the blog part of okay. the show notes. We're going to push this out on Twitter and Facebook and a couple other areas. So if you're listening uh, through an audio file, you should be able to still find that online, be able to click the links and get straight to Betsy. Great. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I've had fun.